0: Hi, this is Eugene with the Divided Families Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I just wanted to give a few words before going to this pilot episode. So basically, when Paul and I first came up with the idea for this podcast, it was just over a regular Skype conversation where we were talking about wanting to do something about these stories of family separation. And it was a really long conversation that spanned everything from talking about historical circumstances to how we relate to them on a personal level. And at the end of it, I remember Paul saying, dude, We should have just recorded this whole thing. Like, this is the perfect first episode. So we tried to kind of recreate that unscripted conversation in this pilot. We just jumped straight into it. And, you know, it's not perfect, but at the same time, we learned a lot from it. And we also think that the listeners will be able to gain a lot from it as well. So you have that to look forward to. And, yes, it's a very casual conversation. And we also understand that the stories of family separation and the topic itself is never light. Um, but this podcast is basically going to be a collection of honest conversations and it's led by two Korean American millennials, of course, but at the same time, while we are not experts, there will be experts um, that we'll interview and there will also be firsthand victims of family separation and also we'll interview people who are working on their own advocacy projects. So. The tones of all of these episodes will be different, of course, and at the end of the day, we also hope to have more of these casual conversations between myself and Paul, where we'll kind of talk about, you know, what we're learning and also how to tie the threads across these very different stories and voices. So I've talked enough, I think, and yeah, here's our pilot. First episode of the Divided Families podcast, technically a pilot episode, we'll see if we actually post this, but if you are listening, welcome. My name is Eugene, I'm here with Paul, we are both of the Lee family. The Lee clan. The Lee clan, yes, and we're recording remotely, so I'm in Seattle, Um, Paul is in DC where we met. Um, And I think this episode is just going to be a little bit about introducing ourselves and also we don't know each other super well like we're not best friends from childhood we met less than a year ago we did
1: sit together naked in a korean sauna true true can't get much closer than that
0: that, yeah if you put it that way we've already bonded to the highest level but we're gonna basically be talking about uh, how we both kind of came to this project learn a little bit about each other and we do have like a mission statement for what this podcast will be but at the same time there's a lot of kind of background information and uh, what we kind of hope to get out of it and what it could be that would be helpful for those listening and also helpful for those who uh, might want to get involved. So yeah, so we can kind of talk about how we met first. (laughs) Should we talk about that first or you want to talk about the mission statement first? Sure, sure. Should we talk about the long story about how we got here first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's
1: do it. And then, I mean, I guess indoctrinated slowly or learning about you know, military and government speak. And they say you got to start with the bluff. It's B L U F. And apparently the, the bluff, bluff? is it's called the bottom line up front. The so military guy was... Means? I'm not going to go into it. But anyways, the bluff, the bottom line up front, kind of to the point is, you know, the Divided Families Podcast. What we're trying to do here is provide a platform uh, for connecting different stories of family separation. And, you know, starting with what Eugene and just to speak for myself, I've been personally affected by is family separation from the Korean War uh, through my grandparents' stories. Um, But also there are so many different stories of family separation um, from, you know, hundreds of years ago uh, to stories that are going on right now that have been covered extensively in the media or some that haven't been covered as much. I don't know. I thought this was a really unique opportunity what we could do is fill the space of connecting the dots of different stories and like noticing the nuances between them. And also, I don't know, parts of them that are similar
0: as well. Right. Mm. So Paul and I met not too long ago, like less than a year ago um, in DC. And actually, it's kind of a funny on my end. I don't know. I don't know if you know, but for me, it's a funny story of how we came to this project. And I don't think I've actually told you this story. So this is going to be 100%, Surprise! Yeah, 100% live. So I attended this North Korean congressional hearing or something in D.C. I'm not 100% sure, like, the background about that. So can you explain that a little bit? And then I'll go into, like, how I found you there.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, my perspective coming into this is I've, you know, for the past few years, I've been involved with uh, and now lead an organization called Divided Families USA. And as you know, the name might suggest, or actually might not suggest, it actually focuses on advocating for family reunions uh, between American citizens of Korean descent who were separated from their families uh, in North Korea during the Korean War. Hundreds, if not thousands, of elderly Korean Americans who have still yet to have an opportunity to see and reunite with their family members. So what we've been trying to do is both... On a grassroots level is compile and keep an active registry of individuals who wish to participate in family reunions, you know, like my own grandfather who uh, who passed away a few years ago, and that was uh, really the main inspiration motivation for me wanting to get involved with this, and also on more of a advocacy and governmental level, so we you know regularly update the state department and the red cross and you know other entities who uh, work on this issue on a, from a position of authority. With this congressional testimony, it was really—I mean, it was really special for for me because um, it was the first ever congressional hearing on this issue of Korean American divided families. Uh, I think this was actually—I want to say June, mid June, 2019—and I got to uh, serve as the interpreter for a Korean American lady um named you know Miss Sunbo Kim uh from Virginia so it was really special for me to you know help share her story um and to help educate show uh members of Congress why not only why this is such an important human and humanitarian issue but also that it's an issue that affects American citizens
0: mm-hmm. I guess that gives you a lot of background into what was going on in Paul's perspective on this day, this was in June, uh, July, I think June, July, June. Um, yeah. Couple, yeah. A couple months ago, two or three months before that I met Paul through my roommate who went to high school with him. So this was just like a one time, like he was in our house. I was like, I well, think we went, we went to, to H Mart together. Yeah. We went to H Mart, which is, um, and that was about it. Like, you know, just like a regular occurrence that happened. Um, and I kind of forgot about it. Many people come to our house. Right. So I kind of forgot about it. And then like a couple months later, when I saw on Facebook that there was this North Korean congressional hearing, I thought, oh, I should go check that out. And also now, currently, uh, Paul's boss, Frank, um, was going to be speaking at that. Frank Om is a North Korean expert who works at the U.S. Expert on
1: North Korea.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's the difference there?
1: (laughs) Well, it's a little ambiguous if you say North Korean expert. This, oh, true, you know. true, true. <laughs>
0: yeah, my bad. He is it's definitely, like the Oxford comma. Yeah, he's definitely I'm uh, Korean-American, Korean, um, Korean yes. But anyway, Paul's current boss. Uh, and I wanted to meet him because he was also friends with another roommate. So everything kind of ties back to this house that I was staying at. But that's why I decided to go. And then my friend was also working on the Hill at that time. So, you know, I show up and pretend not to be lost on my first time ever inside the congressional halls. Um, And I walk in, somehow stumble my way to the place, and then I get in. um, And I'm, like, sitting kind of in the back, and it's very crowded. And for me, it's kind of exciting because it's the first time I've been to, like, a congressional thing. So uh, Judy Chu was leading the hearing. I saw Andy Kim for the first time. um, All of these, you know, famous people. And I was sitting there in the back with my friend who's a congressional staffer. And I saw that there was an interpreter next to um, the North Korean sir. uh, What was her name? Chahi? Was that Chahi? Yeah, Chahi Lee Stanfield. Yeah, there were two um, Divided Family members who were testifying, I guess. And then Paul, well, I didn't know at this time, but Paul was interpreting. Um, But I was in the back, and I can only see the back of Paul's head. (laughs) And also, Paul wasn't wearing glasses. And I was like, hmm, that guy seems pretty familiar. (laughs) And then my friend was like, that's the president of Divided Families USA. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. But I definitely don't know the president of Divided Families USA. Like, It's not going to be him. And she's like, she gave me like a little uh, program thing. And she said, his name's Paul Lee. Like, do you know a Paul Lee? And I was like, (laughs) Jen, like, I know 10 Paul Lees. You you can open my Facebook and scroll through all the Paul Lees. So I was like, no, it's definitely not him. Like, no way. That's not the guy that I met, you know, (laughs) a couple (laughs) um, months ago. And then at the very, 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 very end. Oh, that is Paul. Um, So that's kind of the story of how I ended up finding you there and also knowing that you um, were involved with the organization. And then Paul is the president of Divided Families USA. I'm president of absolutely nothing, but I started a blog project on Asia and identity called Disoriented. Um, And just during that general time period, I was trying to think of ways to expand the blog project. Um, And how the blog project basically worked was I came up with it while I was living abroad in Korea. And uh, I had lots of friends in the same program as me who came from very diverse demographics, I guess, backgrounds. Like there were Korean-American adoptees, there were Chinese, Korean, Japanese mixed people, and also just non-Asian people at all. But, you know, first time living outside of America. So, like what I wanted to do was open conversation between all of these different types of demographics in the context of living abroad. Like, what can we kind of learn about each other and Asia through this uh, kind of conversation and the essays and poems and whatever else that we wrote? So. Um, that exists still you can still check it out disoriented.blog yeah at that time i wanted to kind of figure out a way to expand it but also i felt kind of the limitations the main limitation was it's really hard to get people to write things (laughs) it's very yeah it's like very hard like you can get people to talk we did a lot of interviews for the blog project but it was very difficult to get people to write things unless they were already writers and also there's this whole thing about i'm not a writer like i can't write about my experiences but i think everybody can talk about their experiences um, so that's when the interviews started to take over. We have a lot of those um, that you can read. And after the day after the congressional hearing, I called Paul. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I think there's something here with the idea of divided families, family separation. That's kind of similar to what I'm doing, but way more inclusive and way broader. And also, I thought it was a little bit weird that it's called Divided Families USA, but it's only one type of divided family. Um, so, and I think we agreed on that. I kind of called him. That was kind of our first Longer conversation a couple of months after that is when we subsequently went to the jim Jir-bang, uh Korean bathhouse where all great ideas happen are are born yeah are birthed he was there and also uh kung fu tea we're not sponsored by not that, yet but we would not mind uh, yeah not yet yeah so boba and also uh Korean bathhouse is where we kind of started to through these ideas there was a Skype call that we did a couple of months ago where well our original idea was to kind of create this humans of New York type website thing similar to disoriented but just a divided families version but that kind of ran into the same problems as disoriented like who goes on this website and also how do we get these photos I guess for a podcast you could just record from a like from different places as we're doing right now and I guess yeah I mean
1: if I can jump in right there too I think I mean I love uh personally I'm a big fan of humans of New York and that style of storytelling, but I think huge personal motivation for me for wanting to try and take on this uh this podcast project was because I felt like there are limits to or only so much we could control in terms of the big picture uh political level of what's happening with family reunions, right? So much of it depends on mm-hmm. what happens in US North Korea diplomacy. You know, we don't have to get into that, but there's, I, I feel this every day, right? And I felt this with my own grandparents, uh, is that time is really running out. Like, um, you know, over 70% of divided families, Korean divided families are in their, they're over the age of 70. So time is really running out, and what I thought was the most important thing that we especially, um, the younger generation, could do right now is to uh, record the stories of these divided families and also to share them with other people. So I'm, I'm really, really so gl- uh, so glad we're doing this.
0: Yeah and I think that we kind of bring different elements to the project cuz whereas Paul is very well versed in um did you study Asian civil like did you study geopolitics I was the
1: I was and I am the Asian Asia guy. That's what they. That's what they call me. Can you can you elaborate on what? Who, Actually, nobody they? nobody calls me that. <laughs>
0: Everybody <laughs> in my head, my, in my. <laughs> I've never never heard anybody call you that. But um, could you explain a little? Yeah, bit Yeah, yeah. I your... mean,
1: my my background is comes very much from Asia, policy, security, geopolitics, all that good stuff. People what people talk about in in uh, Washington, Washington D.C. I don't know about Washington, Seattle.
0: Oh, yeah. My Washington.
1: But yeah, this is such a, you know, something like divided families is just something that the U.S. Congress and the State Department, like it was only really the past few months that this is starting to catch on as an issue that, you know, is important for its own sake, but also in terms of diplomacy as well.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah. And as I said, like Paul brings kind of this very knowledgeable about policy and about Asia and about all of these nuances of the situation on like a Policy scale, I guess. On my end, I'm like just starting to get into policy and you know, like the larger picture in history. I've been reading a lot of history lately, but um, I think what I come to the project with is more of the like storytelling, more focused on um, individual experiences and how they kind of connect to each other and also to a larger picture. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we could also talk a little bit about how you've been explaining the project to people because last, at least for me on my end, last night I had a call with a potential uh, guest as I was talking about it and. You know, we've already repeated our mission statement, but for me, like the core of the project was more of connecting history and personal experiences. That's how I see it. Maybe it's just because it's my background. Um, But for me, it was largely like when I was working on the blog project, it's largely kind of how has history shaped personal experiences. And, you know, we are all just kind of products of a predetermined set of conditions in some sense. Like we can't really decide, you know, where we're born, what kind of situations arise. And I think as I'm saying that a really interesting thing is also the topic of family, like family is also this kind of mysterious thing, like you're just born into it, you know, you don't have a choice about it. I mean, not also not everybody has families, I guess, but, you know, you're just kind of born into this web of circumstances, and you have to make do with it as you can or choose to. And I think, yeah, for me, like, like family in itself is also kind of embedded with history and also kind of thinking about how personal experiences are changed by these external factors. Anyway, it's probably a lot of detail, but that's how kind of how I've been explaining it. It's mostly like family separation. We're kind of talking about, we can see on one hand how historical circumstances have caused personal, like individual lives to be shaped. And I guess we're just kind of at the interface of those two things, like personal and history. And families for me, like that's like exactly what's in the middle, right? Like families are, come from somewhere that you don't get to choose, but you do get to choose how you react to it. As I'm saying that, it's pretty interesting how, like, family and separation, historical separation, these two things kind of um, intersect. Like, one represents things you cannot control, the other side represents things that stories of people who have actually tried to deal with it. And as with all things, this podcast is very unscripted, natural, organic. Um, We're all trying to figure things out as we're, yeah, very very, very organic, grass fed. How have you been explaining it to people? Like,
1: yeah, I think for me, I think it's primarily. At least initially through the context, through the lens of understanding Korean American divided families better through a comparative lens. But I think, you know, as I've, because Mm -hmm. I think I've learned a lot from talking to you, Eugene, honestly, because I've been thinking more and more. I mean, I became a US citizen
0: just earlier this year. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You got. Can you tell us a story about how you your reaction oh, to getting that uh, oh Trump signature? No, no, no.
1: We'll, we'll we'll leave the we'll leave the politics out of this. But but I think you know I think he. One of the things you mentioned was that I think family separation is like at the heart of or at the core of the immigrant or migrant or refugee experience, right? Whether whether it's voluntarily or involuntarily, I feel like all. Migrant families uh, experience family separation and like migrant families Mm -hmm. encompass just basically everyone at every point in history. Now, now, I don't want to make this too broad, but basically how I've been explaining and pitching this project to people is, you know, we're not going to find an answer. We can't understand everything there is about the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, family separation there, or divided families from the Korean War, from... You know, one podcast episode. But I do think that by connecting mm-hmm. yeah, these definitely dots, not. I don't know. I want, I, 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 my hope is that, you know, start to generate some takeaways for, for the listeners, of course, but also for, for the two of us and for the people who are guests on our show of what we can do about these stories of family separation. And, you know, maybe what we can do is because some of these stories are uh, family stories of family separation from so long ago that there's no hope of uh, family reunions. Um, So what we have to do Mm -hmm. is just keep recording and remembering and educating each other. Um, Some issues, like, you know, Korean-American divided families or families separated at the U.S.-Mexico border, you know, there is something we can do right now. And, you know, we don't have to go into it Mm -hmm. right now. And I'm sure our guests, uh, to be named, uh, will... Yeah, to, you know, to I have a lot more innovative ideas that I do, but I think the what we can do and the takeaway
0: part, I think, is what I'm really excited about. Uh huh. And I think going off of that a little bit, part of it is, I mean, oh, and also, I guess, if nobody's guessed or if nobody knows me, I'm a literature person, like a literature major, story. He's type woke person. Um, so for yeah, you could say that. Um, I don't think you have to be a literature person to be woke, but for me, like, just the act of Reading stories and sharing those stories is something. Obviously, that's the thing that kind of frustrates me. That's also the reason that I'm here doing this podcast is, you know, like, come on, man, reading like that's not that's not uh, doing anything. I mean, I think that it is knowing that somebody else is going through the same thing, even if they're in a different situation, these historical circumstances I mean, it doesn't matter what the sp- it does matter what the specifics are, but it doesn't matter like in terms of understanding how people feel or are affected by them. I mean, if you're separated from your family, it doesn't matter like how it does matter, but also it doesn't matter how that happened. Like at the end of the day, this person will understand you in the same way. So that's one main reason for that, and I think also, but we also have to balance like the act of recording and sharing and listening with actual policy change. But yeah, as you said, are to be named. He who must not be named guests they, will, they, they uh, almost not. Be probably... Named. They, true, true. Yeah. See, I'm not as woke as, <laughs> as Paul makes it out to be. But yeah, I think... And also, oh, the one thing that I was going to add to that, this morning I read a short story called The Paper Menagerie by Ken Liu. He's the translator of The Three-Body Problem. It's a sci-fi series if you haven't read it. But the short story is online, so you can check it out. I'll try to cover it really quickly without any spoilers but i shared it with paul this morning and for me that short story captured this podcast like the spirit you can of read it podcast. online for free yeah it's on like gizmodo or something basically the short story covers like the upbringing of a chinese american and he kind of grows up not fully understanding his mother because she doesn't speak very much english and then at the very very end of the story he kind of gets a letter from his mother whom he ignored you know throughout his life like oh you don't understand me you don't understand english etc Um, And then she, in the letters, she's written out her entire story. She's separated from her family due to the Cultural Revolution, I think, Um, and also these various circumstances. She escapes to Hong Kong, et cetera. So that really captured for me the essence of this podcast, because on the one hand, you have the mother who actually experienced, you know, forced separation due to historical circumstances. But at the same time, after that, she comes to America, another place removed from her home country. Um, And then within her own, like, new family that she makes there with the father and the son, Um, the son is also, like, feeling the stress of that separation. Uh, Even though you might not think, like, just being Chinese-American, I'm like, my family's not separated. But in some sense, you know, like, all of these things are connected. Like, you are still removed from uh, culture. You don't know who you are. Um, So for me, like, yes, we're going to talk about huge family separation issues where people are actually forcibly divided or detained but also on like a larger level like how have these divisions in history and also globalization kind of changed your identity i guess that's my main thing but that was this morning you can check that out if it helps you in any way yeah what was your reaction reading to the story
1: yeah i mean i think yeah that that story is a tearjerker for sure i think for me i've when i how i think about or how i have thought about this term "divided family," I think, is in like how imagine how most people think about divided families, right? Families who are separated forcibly by conflict through a major crisis, or you know, I don't know if you've seen this movie. Uh, this, I think, it might be one of the top grossing films in South Korea of all time. "Fukujang" uh, Oath "To My Father." I haven't seen that. Oh you my give us goodness! A- you got a. Wa- you, if you if you haven't seen I that still, movie you have, can I still have my woke card. I've,
0: <laughs>
1: i I've seen that movie i don't know at least five times but I actually saw it with my um with my grandfather oh you want to pause a little
0: bit in case people don't want to get it spoiled
1: oh no no, no I won't. i won't spoil, i won't spoil it i mean this is like uh, i think probably the closest parallel. Um, in for a Hollywood movie is uh, Forrest Gump. What? Because Forrest? wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Forrest Gump in that it skips through various key points oh, okay. in South Korean history. But there's no Tom Hanks. But there's no Tom. There's a coolin of Tom Hanks. Okay. Uh, this dude, Park Jung-min, this actor in Korea. But anyways, a lot of it has to could do. It's a short summary. Yeah. So the synopsis is that basically it's about this. It goes through the life of this guy who's uh, originally from North Korea, and then is separated from his family during the Korean War. Um, and there's this mass evacuation um, during the Korean War. It's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records called the Hungnam Hung Hungnam Evacuation of how many refugees fit into a, a ship, like this American ship, and they you know fit in all these refugees uh, down to South Korea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this really emotional scene later of, um, you know, this family reunion program that actually happened in South Korea. So that's how I've thought about divided families. But I think as I'm starting to unpack this issue a little bit more, I'm realizing that there are divided families everywhere. Right. Like I I think even my own family, well, my own family, uh, like my grandfather was separated from his older brother during the Korean War. But uh, my family on a generational level is so divided. Yeah, through, you know, because of, well, one, because of language or technology or just because how different our experiences have been. Maybe we are not physically divided, but I think maybe emotionally or spirit. I mean, on some other level, we are definitely divided. Mm -hmm. And I think I see, I see that's the case for so many other families, right? Like in Hong Kong, right? And so many other parts of uh, the U.S. as well, Mm -hmm. where... Uh, because of political or religious ideologies um, or views about, you know, gender or race or um, so many other issues, families just don't talk to each other anymore. Mm, There's also the,
0: Um, right, Eh. yeah, like there's just like a, in light of the many things that have been happening around the world, there's this huge divide between, you know, like just young and old, except for, well, there's Bernie Sanders who's really old, but there's kind of the division between like your generation is not going to be, like you guys aren't thinking about climate change, you guys aren't concerned about, my, you know, well-being as a younger generation. I mean, with, like, Greta Thunberg and, you know, all these young kids who are marching out for climate. It's like, you guys don't understand what I need. Um, And the adults, on the other hand, are like, you don't understand that when you get older, like, it's not as easy oh, to change things. So that's just like a huge, I mean, like, we're living in a time where it's very, I mean, obviously divided. No, you know.
1: you're so right. Re- I mean, and I, I I, think my hope, at least, is to try to get really a diverse cast of guests on the show, right? Not just, uh, of course, we're going to get people from our generation, right, who are active in advocacy and arts and uh, creative expression about these different stories of family separation. But I think we're also hoping to interview and hear from, you know, people from um, older generations, Mm -hmm. right, who have
0: experienced this firsthand. That'll be really enlightening for me. Mm -hmm. And I guess also we can now we can just do like a quick q a for each other because i had a question to ask you about just like out of my own curiosity um yeah for those who don't know paul is basically like this is the kind of person paul is like i'll message him and be like hey you know when do you want to talk about this podcast and he's just like oh uh you know tomorrow's fine but i was just busy you know i just finished running a marathon with a did you did you pace a blind person like what did you do again oh yeah yeah we were running together can you tell us a little
1: Oh, I mean, I, that was probably a couple of weeks ago. I was running with my friend, and I was guiding um, my friend, Erwin, who is uh, visually impaired and legally blind. Mm-hmm. And I, we, we run together all the time in D.C.,
0: and we are just doing different races together. Yeah, so my question. But I hope that was a legitimate excuse. So, but actually, I'm just saying all of these things mostly to ask, how did you kind of get interested in doing Good, You know what I mean? Kind of like how did you kind of get interested in or maybe getting interested is not the right word, but, you know, like,
1: I mean, I honestly feel like it's me trying to grapple and struggle with uh, not not struggle, um, but I guess really grapple and try to figure out what to do with my privilege Um, and maybe also the pressure, Uh, not pressure, but, you know, just being a first or one point five generation immigrant. And I I really feel like I've been blessed with so many different opportunities, right? Education, professional, financial, I don't know. I just feel really, uh, and I think so much of it is thanks to, of course, my parents, but also my grandparents' generation, who I'm, you know, positive that I'm not the only, there are so many other stories like mine of parents and grandparents who have sacrificed everything, especially immigrant stories, right, to get to where we are today, And so I just feel a real sense of responsibility. I'm not even trying to, uh, like, I'm not not trying to flex or anything, but I just feel a real sense of responsibility. People always say, you should pay it forward, you should pay it forward. But I feel like this is my way of, like, paying it back to my grandparents. Maybe not, well, I I guess guess maybe maybe not directly, Um, although if family reunions happen, who knows. But um, I guess indirectly, I don't know, I guess honoring how much they put into it, but... Yeah, it's pretty, or maybe it's just that good old Catholic guilt
0: oh, that I was indoctrinated with. Sweet, sweet guilt. No, that's, that's pretty amazing. Though. I just was curious about that. Um, you can, Yeah, I put you on the spot, so you can ask me a question, I guess.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, real talk, I'm so, you know, obviously, uh, I, I mean, clearly you've been spearheading this project, right? And I'm, I mean, to be honest, there are a lot of things that I, I wish I, I was always, um, how I got involved with Divided Families USA in particular had to do with uh, this documentary that I just stumbled upon um, called The Divided Families Documentary. And it was made and directed by this guy named Jason Ahn, mm-hmm. who's now in L.A., who, you know, might be a guest on our show. But anyways, he, he filmed this documentary, hour-long documentary, featuring different stories of Korean-American divided families. I just thought it was so powerful. I mean, the, the work itself was uh, very moving, inspirational, powerful but also the fact that he had you know he had he's a medical doctor he's a physician but the fact that he dedicated a year of his time you know and resources and effort to making producing distributing this project and continuing to work on the issue long after that film was super inspiring for me um so I'd always wanted to do something like that but I think it's much easier to do this uh logistically and also just in terms of motivation, when you have a partner, mm-hmm. but basically, I mean, wh- what what makes you so committed and driven to this? It's not like you know, isn't it's not like we're making millions of dollars from ads from this, yeah, not, not yet, not yet, <laughs> kung fu tea, yeah, <laughs> uh, <just> <laughs> right. And there's so many other things you could be, you, know, you can be spending more time studying
0: Chinese. Oh, true, that which just started like a couple months ago, but yeah.
1: Yeah, or you could be focusing on this blog and, you know, Eugene, yeah, I guess, I think I might have told you this, but I think I knew about your blog, uh, Disorient. I think it's so much more than a blog. It's more, it is I, dot I, yeah, .blog, yeah, it's, it's a medium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, but I, I knew about that project, I think, before I'd met you. What do you think is so special about this that you want to commit so much time, energy into it, Yeah, right? I
0: think on my end... I think that the reasoning for starting the blog project is the same kind of reasoning for why I'm motivated to do this. Um, and as you mentioned, it's really interesting how people read the blog, but people don't contribute as much. For me, it's really hard for me to see like the impact of that, whereas for a podcast, this is you know strictly listening. And I guess... I didn't talk about this yet, but I'm glad that it comes up now. Is So I grew up, well, I was born in California, lived my entire life in America. There was one summer I spent in Korea, but not very long. And after graduating college, I went to Korea for two years to teach English. Well, I stayed for one year and then I renewed for a second year because I felt like I needed more time to figure out what was going soul on. Searching. In terms of like, oh yeah, S-E-O-Q-L, <laughs> searching. Um, yeah, soul searching and figuring out like how this new entrance of Koreanness plays into my life. I didn't really grow up anti-Korean, but it was more of, I didn't really want to be defined by this thing that I didn't really understand. So then when I went to Korea, like for the first time, I, I not, not only did I go and like see, see people who look like me as an adult, because when you're a kid, you know, it's not the same impact, I think. But after living a whole life of not seeing people like me on TV, not seeing people like me do a whole bunch of things, that was like profoundly empowering in a way that I didn't experience before. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I was reading um nehisi codes Between the World and Me, which I recommended to Paul. Did you finish reading that, by the way?
1: It's, uh...
0: It's on the docket,
1: on the docket for the holidays.
0: Yeah, I was reading that and that was kind of the beginning of this whole thing, like everything that has happened since then is I'm reading this guy's experiences. I'm not black. And I was still kind of resonating with his experiences in a way that was really hard for me to understand, like, how is this possible? Because he was explaining how he went to Paris for the first time, experiencing what like blackness was outside of America. I mean, I don't want to go through and explain that because I'm not Ta-Nehisi Coates, but I'm kind of talking about his experiences abroad. And also, when he was at Howard University, yeah. I think, historically yeah, black DC. college. Yeah. Actually, there's a, a better way to sum up what I was feeling at that time. There's an episode of On Being, which Paul recommended to me. This is my homework for this podcast <laughs> to study other podcasts. Ta Nehisi Coates has an episode where he records with um, or is interviewed by Krista Tippins. Yeah. yeah. So, Ta Nehisi Coates has an episode on there where he, um, at the very, very end, he kind of talks about how when he was at Howard and he saw all of these. I think he describes them as like beautiful black bodies, like everybody's beautiful and talented and gifted. After he had that experience, I think he says something like, I felt like I could take on anybody. Like nobody could ever tell me that, you know, I wasn't valuable or nobody could ever tell me that I'm less than anybody else because he lived for four years in this community of people who look like him, who are talented, who are going to be there for him. That's pretty much what I experienced while in Korea. And I think starting the blog project was largely to share that, like, As as you're saying, to pay it forward, mine was more of this, like, soul-searching, (laughs) pay it forward. And that also makes you really, I think Ta-Nehisi maybe captures this too, but that also makes you really angry in some sense because you're just thinking, like, I grew up my whole life without this, right? Like, that kind of makes you a little bit resentful, but also, like, how can I make sure that not everybody has to go through this? So, yeah, I think it's just, like, that was a huge part of why I started the blog project, why it was really exciting to talk to other people with similar experiences. Because we were in Korea and everybody's kind of figuring themselves out. Like, I remember the first time I started the blog project or the seed of the idea kind of came in was I was at I was at a bar in Busan, like by the beach at night, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like hanging out with somebody. And then I think that I had for a long time wanted to ask my friend, like, what was it like being adopted, which is a really, like you don't really ask that question. You know, you don't just go up to people and be like, hey, what's yeah. it like being black? But I think I was able to ask that in that kind of situation And I was a little bit afraid that it was going to be awkward, but the conversation that we had after that was pretty, like, really insightful. And also, the really interesting thing is, like, Korean-American adoptee, Mm -hmm. I'm not adopted, but so much of the experience is similar. Not that I can ever say that, you know, like, I went through what they went through, but um, a lot of it was helpful to me. So, basically, the blog project started with that, and I think with this podcast... I think it's very difficult to talk about identity. When we are writing for the blog, I kind of asked people who submit like, can you talk a little bit about identity and your process of forming your identity? And I think that's a really hard question to answer, but it's not as difficult of a question to answer like family questions, I think. I mean, it's difficult on like a personal level, but you know, it's not like these this abstract idea. Yeah. And as we've mentioned throughout this whole conversation all of the things that have ha- been happening these days and current events, like... Being yeah. thrust towards this situation of being extremely divided on all axes, right? Like generational, yeah. ideological, everything. 3D. And also physic, yeah, forty, 5D, I don't know, but...
1: No, no, but you, just going off that, I think, I mean, I, I, I think it just occurred to me, I mean, I, I don't want to, I feel like people talk about empathy all the time to yeah. the point where it's like, it's almost yeah. like a, it rings hollow, right? Like you're like, we need more empathy and like, what does that really mean? But... I really think, at least for me, what I hope, I mean, this is really ambitious, but, you know, I hope that by featuring different stories, like very, very, what seems like very, very different stories of family separation, I do hope that, because as you said, right, at the end of the day, at at least in my opinion, it seems like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, of course it matters how you got separated, but I feel like recognizing that Someone so different from you was also experiencing Mm -hmm. the pain and suffering of family separation. I think that's a huge bond, right? And I think, I, I don't know, I think by highlighting these different stories, we will recognize that, yes, my situation is unique, but maybe other people can understand how I felt. Or how I'm feeling or how my community is feeling. And maybe
0: I can understand a little bit better how others are feeling. Mm, yeah. I mean, I mean, I studied stories, so like I know a lot of stories, but I've also like experienced firsthand power of conversations and stories like in helping me figure out myself. And that's just not, they really are kind of really powerful, as you say, like generating empathy. It's very easy to like, think in your head, oh, this person is going through the same thing as me, but it's very hard to ignore an actual story, I think. And I think somebody says, like, humans are storytelling creatures, like, mm. we just tell stories. I don't know what it is about stories, but I don't know. There's a lot of mysterious things. Families mysterious. Stories are mysterious. Life is a, a lot mystery. Of all... Yeah, life is a mystery. What are we doing? That's but mi- I think that's day... a quote
1: from a Madonna song.
0: Oh, yeah, but at the end of the day, everything's a mystery, but at the same time, these kinds of conversations allow us to kind of continue pushing forward in some sense of like meaningful direction, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, when you zoom out, yeah, when you zoom out, it's like what are we even doing? Like we're given these circumstances and how do we deal with them, but we just continue on.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the on the on the surface, like a 82-year-old Korean American elderly woman and like a Ten-year-old kid separated from his family at the U.S.-Mexico border. They don't have a lot in common. They don't have a lot of reason to listen or talk to each other. But mm-hmm. I think, at its core, at their core, they're both facing separation from their loved ones. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think I think yeah. the last thing that I think I want to recognize here uh, is that you know, of course, we are two Korean American dudes great american millennials yep you know who yes have different backgrounds uh different experiences but you know i think we have to recognize that we do come from this very specific background and that's why i think it's really great that uh, i mean that's why i hope we can bring together voices and uh, from different communities right to speak authoritatively on their Mm -hmm. own communities uh, because i think that's really important
0: yeah, and as we've kind of talked about already, but I feel like lots of people talk about the defining issues of our time, climate change, income inequality, but I feel like another thing is connecting these stories because we live in an age, I mean, as you said, as I, this is what I was thinking about as you were talking about like a 86-year-old Korean woman and a 10-year-old boy at the border, US-Mexico border. Those two people probably would never have even known that the other existed two decades, a decade, two decades ago. And I guess as we're moving forward, we're kind of at this time where we're accelerating very, very quickly into a situation where all of these stories are kind of intersecting and we have to kind of figure out a way to look between them. And I think that's, and that's also like a fundamental intersectionality. Yeah. Hashtag woke, hashtag intersectionality. Um, but that's also a huge way to fix those problems that I mentioned before. Like if we can't get it together, you know, how are we going to coordinate on the larger problems? So yeah. Do you have any final thoughts about hopes for the, i think you already talked a little bit about, about hopes but you yeah, have anything big hopes
1: big hope big energy
0: <laughs> big dream energy
1: <laughs> i mean i think the, i mean you know i think the last thing uh if if i haven't said this enough is that it's called the divided families podcast but i hope that by featuring different stories of family separation i hope that the divided families podcast could be a unifying force that brings mm. together, maybe not physically families, but at least starts to bring together these strands of thought and these experiences in
0: one platform. Mm-hmm. And is there anything else that you hope to get, even though we can't because they're on stands? But um, do you have any personal like goals, I guess?
1: Well, maybe this is getting. Uh, yeah, yeah, why, why not? You got to dream big, right? I think the last, if we're thinking, if we want to be really ambitious, I would want not just people, you know, because the people who listen to podcasts are, you know, I think most of them. Is, it, is that right? Is is I, I, my sense is that most of them are like younger people from English speaking countries like the US. I have no data
0: to prove that, but no. probably it's true.
1: But I mean, my hope is that this might be translated or people in oh, North see, Korea, like a- right, can listen to like the actual uh, separated family members. Right. So I guess for in the case of the Korean War, the family members in North Korea can one day listen to the podcast um, to and hear their And also all other demographics. And, and, yeah, yeah, and all other uh, divided families. So that it's not just one side of the family sharing their story, but the other side also uh, listening and maybe responding.
0: Mm, yeah, I thought about that, too, in terms of like language, multi-language episodes. Obviously, not everybody can understand those episodes in different languages, but at least it'll be there. And I guess on my end, the big hope is just to become as educated as Paul. No, I'm just kidding. Um, To learn as much as I can. um, To learn as much as I can about all of these issues and how they, I guess, like as I mentioned um, in my short story about my life like i came to history very very late as in like i didn't really care about history young as i was younger like even in college i was kind of like i mean history is just facts like it's on wikipedia i can look it up um but i didn't understand like how necessary it is for you to know history in order to understand your life and also where things are going um so for me it's like learning a lot more about history through this one day i will be as knowledgeable but (laughs) history
1: um, her story their story our
0: story our story true well that's a good note to end on
1: stay tuned oh wait wait can i say one last thing i mean i was just thinking about this because the tableau podcast today i don't, I don't want to i don't think the tableau podcast needs us to promote them no or on <laughs> the being the other, needs, other yeah. way yeah <laughs> but anyways you know there it was basically about christmas right And at the end, Mm -hmm. I can't believe I listened all the way to the end of that. I was listening Mm -hmm. to it on one point five speed. But anyways, Mm -hmm. you know he he was giving the shout out to people because Christmas and the holidays is usually a time for families to be together, right? And Mm -hmm. and Thanksgiving. Um, at least in the U.S. It's all about, you know, going home for the holidays. And I don't know. I think it's just, I think I'm going to look back and I think even right now it feels pretty special that we are launching this kind of right in the holiday season.
0: Well, we don't know if it's going to be for another month or two, but yeah. Well, you know,
1: like conceiving this. Yeah. Whoa, the the conception, (laughs) the immaculate conception. Anyway, no that's fine All right. sure anyways cool. with that. anyways, happy holidays
0: thanks so much for listening and just a quick shout out to Flannel Albert for the intro and outro music he's a melodic hip-hop artist based in LA and you can check out his Instagram and Spotify for more at Flannel Albert if you enjoyed this episode you can also follow us on our Instagram at Divided Families Podcast we'll have updates there and you could also subscribe on whatever uh, platform you're listening to right now so thanks